Hey everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio, the podcast. 739th episode, it's Friday, October 28th, 2022. And on this episode, we have two different music documentary filmmakers. You know, in some ways you'll see they kind of fit together quite nicely, even though they may on the surface appear to be subjects that are very far from each other on the spectrum, I guess, uh, of musicians. On one hand, you have a country music star, bad girl, who played against the rules and has suffered in her career for that, until a younger, beloved uh, Americana singer-songwriter named Brandi Carlisle decided to encourage her very strongly to make a comeback and to uh, get back in the studio. And so that is The Return of Tanya Tucker, featuring Brandi Carlisle, as the title goes, directed by our first guest, Kathleen Horan, and that was a lot of fun. She was terrific. I almost met her in Woodstock because we showed the, both documentaries at Wood, in the Woodstock Film Festival where I was working and doing Q&As, and, but I didn't do anything with this particular film, but I had it already in mind that I would bring on Kathleen Horan to talk about the making of, of her documentary, again called The Return of Tanya Tucker, featuring Brandy Carlisle as the full expanded version of the title reads. And that film is already in theaters. So we'll get to that in a moment. That'll be first up. Then we're going to be talking to uh, another filmmaker I met at the Woodstock Film Festival, but whom I already had seen his film some time earlier because I wrote a synopsis of it for the website and for the program. And it is the filmmaker's name is Sasha Jenkins. And the name of the documentary is Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues. And actually, it is already on Apple TV+. And we will have a conversation with Sasha in a little bit after this first segment. So first, let's talk about the return of Tanya Tucker, shall we? Uh, it's uh, it's quite fun. It's quite watchable if you're a fan of Brandy Carlisle's or just, I think, of music in general. And everybody loves a comeback, after all. I think you'll really enjoy this. It's being released by Sony Pictures Classics. The synopsis reads... Trailblazing, hell-raising country music legend Tanya Tucker defied the standards of how a woman in country music was supposed to behave decades after Tanya slipped from the spotlight. Rising Americana music star Brandi Carlile takes it upon herself to write an entire album for her hero based on Tanya's extraordinary life, spurring the greatest comeback in country music history. And we will be getting to Tanya. And I should make should mention that Kathleen is quite the talented documentary filmmaker, and uh, I was very happy to bring her on and meet her. Uh, and you can watch this episode as well, of course, on the, on the video version, rather, on our YouTube channel if you decide. Both both the Sasha episode, uh, segment as well as the Kathleen Haran segment are both available at our YouTube site, uh, which is youtube.com slash filmwaxradio. All right, so just as an FYI. But in the meantime, let's go to my conversation with Kathleen Horan, the director of The Return of Tanya Tucker, featuring Brandy Carlisle, currently in theaters. 
When I heard that Tanny Tucker hadn't made a record in the better part of 15 years, Here we go. I suddenly realized how potent an influence Tanny Tucker has been on women in country music. And I wondered why the world has forgotten. And I wondered why I'd forgotten. Hey, Randy. Hi. Hi. I feel like I know you. I want this record to be a renaissance period in her life. I got a chorus that I said, bring my flowers now while I'm living. That's as far as I got with it. We can write it and put it well, on yeah. this record. Like, that, that belongs on this record. My dad looked across the table at me when I was about nine years old. And he says, Tanya, do you want to stay here for the rest of your life here in Wilcox, or do you want to go be a star? And I said, well, Daddy, that's not much of a choice. I want to be a star. I'm ready when you are. All right. Well, let's give it a whirl, shall we? Would you say your dad like gave you your audacity? Oh yeah, never give up. Hello, Julie Goldman says to say hi. Oh, I was going to mention Julie. Yeah, that was the one of the first things she said. <laughs> yeah. Tell him hi. Oh, awesome! I'm glad she. I was thinking about her, and I was also. I wasn't sure if she would, if you, if you were going to be talking to her. That's that's awesome. Yeah, she told you our history. No, I didn't even know. She truly was like on this, uh, the email chain that we were going to do this. But yeah, I just, we, we, we haven't talked since you sent that, which was like yesterday. Okay, well, I can only tell you that she has known me and I, her, longer than anybody else in the world because we met in summer camp in, when we were kids. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. And, and, uh, and not too far, not too far from... Uh, the Woods, you were at the Woodstock Film Festival recently, as I was, and uh, we 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 were ships that unfortunately I met one of your 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 posse, but because um, they were had all sorts of questions about the setup and everything, but I right. was just moderating stuff, and I wow. so but but anyway, I went a little south of there, you know. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's great to meet you. I was just looking, I was, I was wanted to uh, get all the, make sure the theaters, where is it? What theater is the return of Tanya Tucker, the return of Tanya Tucker featuring Brandy Carlisle? Where, <laughs> where is, where is it playing in LA? In LA, it's at uh, the Lemley you know? Royal okay. and the Sunset Five. Excellent. And, and we're doing uh, Q and A's tonight at seven and tomorrow at seven. Well, so we'll Probably by the tennis gets out there, that will be past tense. But it's good to know that you're you're doing Q and A's. Is anybody joining you for that? My DP Jessica Young is uh, actually she's oh, yeah. she's going to join tonight. Tomorrow she we just found out she has to take off and go film. As is the life of a cinematographer with Bon Jovi. Oh, be me and hopefully some people in the theater because Los Angeles theatrical is hard. <laughs> I will say that. Right. I just noticed. Uh, speaking of which, in New York, it was at the AMC um, and the Angelica. And all oh, right, and the Angelica Film Center, of course, in the village, and the AMC Lincoln Square. That's often yeah, the case. There you go. Yeah, they're usually uh, I noticed um they're oftentimes. Well, it was a whole lot of fun. You know, I'm also in radio. So oh, yeah. so, you know, and um I mean I work at a radio station as well, music radio station. So, you know, when I, I just been especially, you know, trying to keep an ear out for um an eye for music docs and yeah now is it true that brandy carlisle your your partner reached out to no no her way. the other way around 
Brandy's wife reached out to you about what was originally supposed to be shooting, <clears throat> excuse me, shooting the make the record, the recording sessions, yeah. essentially the making of this new comeback album. I know Tanya had never really yeah, no, wanted yes. it to be. Not her she's turn, not, but... she's right. It's Brandy's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and within 24 hours, you were on it. Right. And then, yeah. and then yeah. very shortly you saw, Oh, this is a much bigger story than just making the album. This is. Yep. Exactly. What? Like a, on a Sunday morning, I got a text from Catherine Carlisle that said, you want to hear something crazy? Mm-hmm. Of course I did. How do you not say? No, I don't. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Maybe some other time. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did. And, and then we hopped on the phone and uh, with Brandy and, and Brandy told me that she had this opportunity to produce along with Shooter Jennings, Waylon Jennings' son. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we know. Anya Tucker's first record in, yeah, in about 17 years. Um, and she told me she had, she had consulted with Rick Rubin in general for the project, obviously because of Johnny Cash's American recordings. Oh, yeah. And so Brandy was looking for advice on how do you produce an album for a legend and your hero. And so among the other things they talked about, he said, make sure you document Rick, it. Rick said, document it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. she said, what do you think? Do you want to do it? Um, and I said, yes, or hell yes. And when do we start? And she said, tomorrow. <laughs> so I said, wow. give me an hour and let me pull <laughs> some things like, yes, but like, let me figure it out. And luckily Jessica Young, my DP was available. My friend Denise Plum, who could come in and help field produce. Um, there's like all the right people just in its tiny little crew. Cause we wanted it to be small and intimate. They were uh, available. Too bad you didn't have my contact information. I'm just, I could make coffee. I could be, oh, yeah. I would have been available like that for you. I'm a big actually. fan of these, these women are, are, are just amazing. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I've been truly like it was, and we didn't know, Brandy didn't even know. It was like, I don't even know if Tanya's going to show up. So I, she had a, we, I've worked with Brandy in the past. I did a music video for her and right. mm-hmm. a piece for her foundation. And we met through mutual friends, Indigo Girls, like, you know, mm. 10, 15 years before. God. So yeah. I think she was also comfortable, like whatever happens here. It was just a little fair of b- b- fantastic music yeah. going on there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 And what was it? Oh, yeah. And I, I would love it some opportunity. I don't know if we'll have time today, but um, you're also, when I was doing some research on you, uh, some of the projects, I think the IF project in particular really yeah. uh, resonated with me, uh, what I saw from it. And I'd like to see the whole thing. So Great. I think, it, I think it's, a, I think it's on, it's on Vimeo or yeah, something. I, I'll send but, you a link. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah. My girlfriend, uh, I, I don't want to get too caught up in my thing, but my girlfriend happens to teach college to prisoners. So Oh, really? Well, that's like, so, so the if project just, I'm going to continue this tangent because my, I know. Yeah. once I began that, that project, we started about 13 years ago, Brandy's foundation is a supporter. She went in and played for the women in prison. So it's all, it's all interrelated still. Right. Which circles back but, to Johnny Cash, which circles yes. back to Rick Rubin, which comes <laughs> yes. back to Tanya Tucker. We're all so, in a, it's we're right. All in a circle well, together. Johnny Cash, I mean, you know, Johnny yeah. Cash, I mean, you got to give him yeah. props. He went to and, Folsom and he went to, uh, yeah. And I'm uh, talking to Tanya about going in to, to perform at uh, the women's one of women's prisons in Nashville. Point being is that film really launched a nonprofit. And so I, we still do the work today and we take the film, we take a speaking team. I now go in and take still photographs to continue mm-hmm. the storytelling. So the if project, so I would like, we need to discuss for your, to get the film and the work 
because we bring it to you know men's prisons, women's prisons, wherever. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> well, it I, sounds I, like my passion life's work. So anything in that vein is I'm excited to. Yeah, talk you've about. got some really. You're you've got you're building quite a a, a really interesting legacy of work. You know. Yeah, and uh, I would say that um, there's now maybe a, something should be called the Brandy Carlisle Touch because yeah. um, how could you have asked for a better story structure? than what played out in this film. I mean, there's so many ways it could have gone awry. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can I I feel eternally grateful and lucky to have been there because a lot of the a lot of what happened is just what happened, you know, and having the having the right team there particularly in the studio to mm-hmm. to sort of know how to disappear in a room and let the intimacy happen what happened and you know, seeing them meet for the first time was just incredible. And the nerves that both Shooter and Brandy had and Tanya comes in and then instantaneously, or as I was continuing to, to move forward with this, as the days passed, it just seemed apparent that the story, the way to tell Tanya's story was through kind of Brandy's lens and having a movie that feels like Tanya also, you know, there, there's Mm -hmm. a version of the film that, initially it was like, we'll do interviews, like more of a traditional biopic structure. Um, but I'm more of like a verite fly on the wall filmmaker. So this also right. kind of pulled it into a realm and wanted to construct it in a way that felt like you're there and felt intimate. Cause to me, I think the best things that any, any biopic type film can achieve is deeper intimacy with the subject, you know, cause there's, so much to tell about Tanya's life that you could never capture it in one film. You know, yeah, so. there definitely is a broader story, obviously, or uh, um, about, about, about Tanya Tucker. Yeah, yeah which, which is clear uh, if you're watching closely. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. I mean, for I'll say one thing, and, and I don't mean that to sound like, oh, it's all dark. Um, I mean, you know, it's an incredible story with incredible highs. And she sounded like she had great some great parents. And I mean, it's, you know... Which is usually a lifeline for most people. You have really good parents and a strong home. You're mm-hmm. gonna, you most likely will be okay. Yeah. To your earlier question too about Brandy and Tanya, but this all kind of goes the same about the people that are around you, and and how that supports your life, particularly for artists that that are in the spotlight and have a lot of you know stress and there's you know so much that goes with it and scrutiny and um, but the but the one piece about this film is the thread of Tanya losing her parents and therefore she lost her way. But in step Brandy and mm-hmm. Shooter and these other folks, but Brandy in particular, who Tanya trusted and I think felt a lot like that presence of her father and the guidance and knowing when to sort of push and knowing when to let back. And there was a fam- familiarity between them that was like, it, it's like they'd known each other forever as, as Tanya says. And so as that community builds out, you know, and Tanya also had these great people around her, uh, Loretta Lynn as the theme and a thread through the film and her friendship. Her as her mentor, for yeah. those who don't know, and who just passed away a couple of weeks, yeah. um, a week in the change. Yeah. Which is a huge loss, a huge loss yeah. for Tanya, a huge loss for the, the community and the world. My right. God, that woman. But a lot, I'm grateful that, that, we get to see a glimpse of their friendship yes. and because ultimately what this film is about too, is exactly that. It's these intergenerational friendships and, and right. how 
to support each other. Brandy supporting Tanya, Tanya getting past the grief with her parents who always supported her, Loretta supporting Tanya and what that really means about community and friendship and how we need to remember that and support each other, you know, regardless of the circumstances. What did, um, well, first of all, I just, as by way of curiosity, since you brought up Loretta Lynn, did she get to see the film before she passed away? No. And mm. that, I, that was, my mission was to go to Loretta's with Tanya. Like I had all these big ideas of, of wanting to just wanted to go hang out with Loretta Lynn. Um, yeah. uh, but we, I'd had, I had been asking her, you know, her health wasn't great. And I was hoping potentially just to go to her place and screen it once that felt like the right time. And that didn't happen, which is a huge bummer, but I will say in, so in the film, Tanya performs for like her biggest show with this uh, song, uh, bring my flowers now at Loretta's birthday concert. And no one really wanted us there. Cause it's a big star studded affair. Like all of country glitterati was there and we got to know it first. And then we got a yes because of Loretta and Loretta's <laughs> daughter. Cause she's wow. like, Hey, if you know, you're doing this with Tanya, you any, anything for Tanya. So it was, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then, and, and that they gave us the footage. They gave us that, like, basically it's like whatever Tanya needs, you can have it. And, and, and by the way, a lot of the archive or yeah, footage, I mean, this is from Tanya's own, or she, she was, it sounds like her family is fastidious with their, Oh, yeah. uh, with or hoarders, whichever you want to, yeah. whatever you want to look well, at. It, it. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely, that was, so after we, so we started filming in January of 2019, mm -hmm. continued all the way through to January, 2020. And that was principal photography. And then we had to start digging in the archives, like Tanya's mm -hmm. personal archives. Mm -hmm. And so that was an incredible couple of weeks in Nashville. And I had asked Tanya, cause I'd seen in some of her in early music videos of hers that there was some super eight footage and that I knew that it existed. And she said, she was like, I think, you know, that's like in a trailer out in Oklahoma, I, uh, somebody took that and I don't know where it is. It's like, well, I, I'm going to find it. I know I'm going to find it. Yeah. And so we go to her house, start uh, digging through her basement and there are just boxes and boxes of all kinds of stuff. Um, and as I, I was saying this to someone earlier, like they open a box and there was a, like a people magazine with Glenn Campbell and her, a photo of her as a kid on a horse or playing a, in a bar or something. And then there's a, uh, an envelope with her baby teeth in it. So it was, it was <laughs> like that. Wow. Yeah. So which, I'm sure, yeah. which is like, you know, definitely, I'm sure there's like a, a witch's potion out there. That's like an eye of newt Elvis's chest hair. <laughs> baby teeth. Campbell's if you, uh, yeah, if you know, can, guitar strings. Yeah. If you put all those together, something amazing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but then in the, in the very, back corner box underneath all these boxes. This was after a couple of days of pulling through like just tons and tons of boxes, which were like tacitly organized. Um, the very bottom box underneath the VHS and the beta and the three quarter inch tapes was opened it up truly the last box. And there were all these spools and spools of super eight film. I was like, Oh my God, I finally found it. And so as you see in the film, like her, her father, they didn't, they, they were really not rich <laughs> and, but he had the sense about him to spend money on these things that, right. which was filming things and actually filming them incredibly well. Like they're beautifully shot pieces mm. and it's a huge bummer to, to have had to pare down and only put in what I could because there's just hours and hours of. Were you able to give her um, 
at least like um, uh, converted tapes yeah. for her. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, right. yeah. So I've got I've got everything digitized, and I keep telling her we're gonna go like I because I, I want to watch it with her and hear her stories because you go yeah, from yeah. her as a kid all the way up to like a uh, teenager. You know, in you you see the entire journey of her career. But for us, the Super Eight was important in in order to integrate it with the verite because i didn't we don't want the archival to feel so different like now let me tell you this now let me tell you this and i and having verite feeling archive with that super eight film it feels more integrated Mm -hmm. present day footage so it's more stepping back on these kind of dreamlike memories and we wanted very much for that stuff to be in tanya's voice so we always kept coming back to like anyone that's talking in that is largely Tanya, because so much of her, her life or for the media's portrayal of her has been other people telling her story. And so that was a lot of the guiding principle is just keep going back to like, let Tanya talk. (laughs) Yes. It's interesting. I just got off also did another uh, interview for my, my podcast, this uh, very, also on a very different musical figure. But uh, Louis Louis Armstrong, but but yeah, you you know it was that. also yeah. sorry. I'm dying to see that. I've oh yeah yeah yeah, you should definitely see it, and it also has a lot of incredible archive, mm-hmm. really shown for the first time, I think. And what he had also just just real quick is he owned a reel to reel you know audio recorder, and just recorded himself talking apparently for like hours, and he had a whole wall of these tapes. Oh man, that, that were also converted for this. So th- that filmmaker Sasha Jenkins had an opportunity to also, oh. you know, get this incredible, you know, way into his into his head, you know, into a part of him that no, you know, nobody else had, you know, really seen yeah. before or known about. And so it sounds like. And so Tanya, Tanya, what did she finally make of the, your your final film? And was she okay with the title? She will so return. She was good. Part I picked the return because I, it feels like a western kind of, and part of the <laughs> opening is a font. Like I knew she would dig that for sure. Is that that it feels like you know it is kind of a western title, and she's you know she's a, she's a real and true cowgirl. That's true. Um, and return is she, return is fine because that's that's more like relaunch to her than uh, comeback because right. comeback really suggests you like you were yeah gone and return is a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's it doesn't have the same doesn't have the it's same subtle. Character. Yeah, it's subtle, <laughs> and it gives a western feel, um, and it feels like a legend. You know, it's got that kind of right. thing. Right. Yes, sure, sure. She she chose to see it for the first time at our premiere at South by Southwest, which was uh, a terrifying experience for me, but also that. yeah. You were just staring at the back of her head or something, or oh, over. Yeah, I was actually sitting next to her son. Oh, okay. It was the most fun film. Like it was really ended up being a blast, but you know, I didn't, number one, I think it's the best way a person can experience a film, especially that's about themselves is with an audience because you're not in your head about it and you're hearing people laugh and have the other responses. So I I really wanted that, but I also was like, you know, what if she hates it? And what if she watched that? Yeah. So, but we had, I was sitting next to her son, Grayson and her daughter, Presley and her boyfriend, Craig, and like then Tanya and Brandy and a lot of other family and friends were there. So it was, you know, she loved it. Everyone loved it. And her daughter 
and her, her actually Grayson kept looking over at me with like tears in his eyes. Cause he was seeing the footage of his grandfather. And, um, so it was very emotionally moving for them. And Presley, her daughter said to me afterwards, like, that's my mom. And that's, you know, I want it to be true. And obviously the, the people you care most about some, the family and the people close to the person seeing that it's true, you know, that, 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 and that they enjoyed it. Sure. And Tanya enjoyed it too. And, but then late, but then like I got just before we went to Telluride, I get these texts from her. I don't know about that part. <laughs> like she's like, I must've been in the bathroom. I'm not sure about that. Um, you got so notes. Then I, we talk about it. It's like, and I'd said to her, it's like, Tanya, if you love every single aspect of this film that I, I didn't do a good job, you know, this is real and true. And I know you're not going to like a hundred percent of everything, but this is the whole and she loves it. She enjoys it, but she's, it's kind of like the scene in the film where she hears. Right, yeah. Record. I was going to draw a parallel yeah. between her same uh, experience yeah. she was having with the album that yeah. we're talking that this documentary really is, is, is about the making of and where she also kept obsessing over uh, her vocals um, uh, and songs and brandy is like, Hey, you know, this is, this is the real Tanya Tucker in the moment we're capturing you right now in the moment. And so it's a, and, and, and she was able to hear that. So maybe likewise, she understood. It is the same thing. I mean, that's, that's like with Tanya, she, she and I wondered how it was going to go. She is such a perfectionist and she has like an incredible ear, particularly, mm-hmm. I mean, for her music that I was expect, you know, I expected I was going to get she was going to look at the film and have her have thoughts and notes, but because she didn't make it, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she, it's not her creation. So I was wondering what her perspective would be about it. Sure. And I think she, and, and I, I was actually concerned that she was going to, about the vulnerability and stuff in the studio. I, I was wondering what she might like or not like. And, in, and she actually said that she it thinks it's important for people to see that, to see that vulnerability, particularly in the creative realm and pushing through things. And cause you know, she, she ultimately wants to bring joy to people and, and make people feel happy and good. You know, that's what she, in, in, in terms of what she gives to the world through her work and through her art and craft. Um, so it worked out. I mean, she's still going to text me things she doesn't like about that. It's never going to end. So like, like maybe you shouldn't watch it anymore, but I, I do send her, um, uh, some like people who write me after they've seen the film, this guy walked out of, a um, uh, our screening in Toronto, like a big burly at the man. festival. Yeah. The festival, the Toronto film festival, yeah, yeah. um, a big burly man walked out with misty eyed and was telling me how much joy and he's a musician as well. It brought mm-hmm. him. And then he wrote me on Instagram, this really beautiful message. And he brought his mom who was a day one Tanya Tucker fan. And so I send those things to Tanya and that just means the world to her. Like that really does like that touches her heart. So she's right. She's pleased. And, and we just did some press stuff in New York and she had a blast. So it's like, she's enjoying it. That's the other part that you, you know, you see in the film that she, the dog and pony show part of things is not what many artists love. And that's especially like the, once they've been around a while. I mean, yeah, exactly. The, and so they, part they've of, done a 10,000 in, interviews and, you for know, sure. however and, many uh, step and repeats and uh, exactly. And it's like, know. Oh, I got to do this again. I do this again. And, and you're yourself, but you're sort of the version of yourself, the entertainment mm, side. Mm, right. So I thought, Oh God, I'm like, how, part of making this film is like, 
I'm going to have to put her, she's going to have to do this for the film and this thing she doesn't love. And it turns out that she's actually enjoying it. Well, I'm so happy. Good. Well, Julie Goldman, one of the producers, yes. Motto Pictures, great luck. That, and your company is Tin Fish, right? That's yeah. you? Yeah. And so and, it's um, a, Julie and, Goldman, Christopher Clements, Carolyn Hepburn, right. and Daniel Torres, uh, producers and co-producer. And um, the name of the film is The Return of Tanya Tucker, featuring Brandon Carlisle. And it is currently in theaters in New York and Los Angeles. And it's Kathleen, right? Kathleen? Yes, Kathleen. Kathleen. Yep. Kathleen, yeah, exactly. Horan. It's Horan or Horan. My parents no, are no, from... No, no, no. Up, up north where my folks are from is is Horan, but when I grew up in Georgia and down there, it became Horan. Okay, so but what is your... How does your... Is your mom around? My mom says she would say Horan down south. So we'll go with Horan. Okay. We'll this, go with Horan. Where up north are you from? The, they're from Buffalo. Oh, okay. Yeah. They came down. I was I was born and raised in Georgia. So I oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I really it's, uh, it's really nice to meet you. And I'm hope I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, I would love it. And I'll get your contact to send you a copy. Like I'm rushing my words. You're perfect. Every time you thought it was you, it's them. Well, after losing my parents, you know, I really kind of lost my mojo. I couldn't imagine anybody managing me but my dad. Tanya's voice is in all of us that sing country music. Do you want to be the talk of the town again? I toss and turn with that sometimes. There's all these people that are watching that are wondering, is she going to make it? Say a prayer. I need it. The great Tanya Tucker. I think it's a really beautiful thing to see somebody that strong showing vulnerability in the way that she is. Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues offers an intimate and revealing look at the world-changing musician presented through a lens of archival footage and never-before-heard home recordings and personal conversations. This definitive documentary directed by Sasha Jenkins, our guest, honors Armstrong's legacy as a founding father of jazz, one of the first internationally known and beloved stars and a cultural ambassador of the United States. The film shows how Armstrong's own life spans the shift from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and how he became a lightning rod figure in that turbulent. Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues is on uh, Apple TV Plus as of of today, Friday, October 28th. And it is spectacular. Let me just tell you, if you're a fan of Louis Armstrong, you're going to love this documentary. And uh, I think Sasha is a great guy. He's done documentaries uh, in uh, street about street art, street artists, about hip hop and, and, and graffiti. And this is a, a very somewhat of a departure, but he will explain the reason behind it and what he discovered in the process of making uh, or and deciding to make this documentary about Louis Armstrong. So it's a great conversation. I'm very uh, gratified by it and um, really enjoyed meeting Sasha. So here we go. This is my conversation with filmmaker Sasha Jenkins uh, right here on FilmWax Radio. Do you think you've lost by being born black in a white country? No, I don't look at it that way. 
the greatest influence in jazz of all time, Louis Armstrong. Old empty bed. Jazz almost stems from Louis Armstrong. Wished I was dead. What did I do? Anybody who has uttered a sound on American radio, it's because of Louis Armstrong's innovations. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. We met briefly at Woodstock. I don't know if you remember I introduced. Oh, yeah. Are you up there now? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, I live not too far from there, even though, I, you know, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from an area of New York City called Queens. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm familiar. Where in Queens are you from? Uh, well, the, the mean streets of Forest Hills. Or 71st and Continental. Mean Street. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> As I said to John Legazamo, not to name drop necessarily, but he's from Queens. Yep. And he's from Jackson Heights. But we I was joking with him uh, about how I had to walk I had to walk a whole block to the school bus. So I know hard times. Don't tell me about hard times. Right. Well he can tell you about cracks and heights, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. That's where he's from. That's right. Um uh, have you worked with that guy? No, never met no. him. Oh, okay. Cause they, yeah, I thought maybe, you know, being being you know, from I don't know, like from the boroughs, we all kind of grew up, you know, especially well, he's a little older, I guess, now that I think about it. But you grew up in Queens, at least for some of your seminal years, correct? Yeah, I mean most of my years I grew up in Astoria. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um and so you're up you're up near Woodstock? Well, I'm I'm like across the river. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. in and I work in Red Hook, New York, and I live a little north of there. Right. Yeah. We're in West Hurley part time. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I met your family very briefly. They all came with you to Woodstock and to a very, what looked like a pretty good crowd there that night. I was, I was like, this is great, you know, <laughs> to get such good turnouts. Um, yeah, it was nice. How did the Q and a go? Uh, it was late for Woodstock. 11 o'clock is pretty late. Um, I know. Before. I know. Pretty, it was fine. It was people were engaged, had great questions, and Good. really appreciated the film. So it was cool. I'm glad to hear that. Um, well, I loved it, and I was going to ask you. I was I was um, intrigued because I was. I remember you making some in the intro. You made a, a reference to kind of coming across Louis Armstrong. Um you know, maybe had some conflicting, even conflicting feelings about him in some way or complicated feelings at one point and you have come around full circle and that's what led you to making the film or was during the process of the film. Can you talk a little bit just about your relationship with Armstrong? Well, the, the good people at Imagine Entertainment reached out to me with the opportunity and, you know, I, I didn't know much. I knew, I know, I knew what most people know about Armstrong, but I didn't really know that much partially because, when I was coming of age in the 80s, mm -hmm. and groups like Public Enemy were popular and Black consciousness was a thing. Right. I was searching for my identity. The guy that was sold to me by others, not by him, but by others, seemed like a guy who was a sellout, seemed like a guy who would do anything for white people in terms of entertainment and would shuck and jive for them. That was the Armstrong I, that I thought I knew and had, and had judged. But when I did the research after I got the offer to direct the film, I was completely blown away by who the guy really was and realized that he's the exact opposite of what I was told to believe about this guy. So um, 
it was a revelation. And for me as a storyteller, such a great opportunity because if I don't if I don't know, there are lots of other people like me who don't know. And it feels like people are gonna be able to see this guy in a completely different light. People are gonna see him in the light. Like there are so many people who don't even know who he is, especially younger folks. So I think he's just, the, I can't name anyone in the modern era who is as cool as Louis Armstrong, who is as talented as Louis Armstrong, who is funny, can play his instrument, can sing, can write, a fine artist, can dress real swell, like, and has the temperament to battle white America or just America in general as an institution that wasn't really a big fan of people who look like him at a time when he did it. Like who 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 does that? Louis Armstrong does that. Uh, it sounds like you're grateful then, too. I'm listen. This is a game changer for me. I mean, I, okay. I've I've made you know, a film about Rick James and Wu Tang, and I thought they were pretty oh, sure. cool. But but the response to this one has just been um, has been really amazing. So, and maybe a byproduct will of of it being out in the in the uh in the universe now this film it's called louis armstrong louis armstrong actually right yes because it people different people refer to him as louis some as louis um but it's louis armstrong's black and blues and uh it will be out in the world and those who maybe taught you or had an influence on your earlier ideas about armstrong and who he was maybe now you can influence their thinking about the same guy you know yeah, I mean, I think I look at Basquiat and Basquiat mm-hmm. is revered the world over and super cool. And I'm a huge fan, but I know Basquiat was a fan of Armstrong mm-hmm. big fan of jazz and Basquiat was cool. He's nifty dresser, great, writer, funny, witty guy, super creative. I think Armstrong, it's his time to have his Basquiat moment. He should have a Basquiat moment where people recognize his genius in multiple disciplines and recognize his gumption as a human being, as a black man in America, when he was a black man in America, achieving what he did and also having a consciousness, you know, being painted as this guy who didn't have a consciousness and didn't care about black people was only interested in, you know, selling out to white people. It's just a, it's just a false, it's just false. So it's great to have the opportunity to do to tell a story that at a time in our history where you have musicians that shall remain, remain nameless who constantly have to remind you or tell you that they're geniuses but to tell you how rich they are and try to tell you about politics in ways that absolutely make no sense and absolutely polarize everyone. You can take a step back and look at Louis Armstrong and say, this is this is who we come. This is where we come from. This is where it all comes from. Here's a man who didn't have to tell you he was a genius. Here's a man who didn't have to tell you he was rich. Here's a man who knew who he was when most people thought he didn't. Well, guess what? He really did. I, I uh, so he's he's more relevant than ever. It sounds like he should be more relevant than ever. Yeah, for sure. Well, maybe you'll help that along a little bit just a little bit more in the past work film work specifically about armstrong about louis armstrong has there first of all i mean has there been a lot of 
of content out there for him? And what was your, what was your experience when you were going through that? And, uh, and then of course you turned up, um, never, I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever seen a lot of this, this footage, it looks like home movies are in here and we hear from, from him, uh, the first, you know, directly from Armstrong. Um, he's telling his own story and reflecting about his own life here. Yeah, he made tapes at home. He had a reel-to-reel machine. Right. Where he okay. Just taped, he just taped conversations. He had a huge um, amount of <laughs> sitting there yeah. in this. And by the way, Queens, Woodside, right? No, Corona. Corona? Oh, okay. Sorry. Close, close enough. But, I don't um, know where I got Woodside from. I had a girlfriend, though, in Corona when I was going to high school. Nice. A little did I know. Yeah. Well, um, you know, he made these tapes and where he spoke his mind and when you hear them you have this perception of armstrong and then you hear the tapes you're like whoa this guy's like a real guy he's like a real day-to-day guy with day-to-day feelings and day-to-day thoughts and it's amazing an amazing dichotomy to know that there's this guy who actually is a genius as opposed to someone who has to say he's a genius. <laughs> and he's just having normal everyday conversations like a, like a mortal when he's not a mortal by any means. So that was super uh, just in, ama- interesting, really super interesting. You feel like you're somewhere that you shouldn't be listening to what you shouldn't be listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a bad way, though, in a way like a little kid eavesdropping on his, on his parents late at night or something. How much, how much uh, he had a whole wall. If my memory serves, like in his uh, house in Queens of, of these um, real to real recordings. Right. And how much were, has been transferred? How much were you able to, uh, how much were you able to listen to? Well, all of his audio recordings have been digitized. So um, we were, we had the opportunity to listen to that. All Uh, of it. I think a good percentage of it, if not all of it, has been digitized. I'm so, sure. I'm sure it's fascinating. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I wasn't. Certainly, I believe. You know, why wouldn't you? It's just. It's no. He's probably heard most of it before. Yeah, the Louis Armstrong House Museum in Queens. Uh, they've been the keepers of all of that stuff, and now they're building a museum, an actual physical museum that's not his house, right across the street, which is pretty. Oh. Amazing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. But, but going to his it's house a, is, is the treat. That's, that's what you want to do, for sure. It's just unbelievable. You're like, wow, taking a dump in Louis Armstrong's bathroom right now. This is amazing. <laughs> you did do that. Come on. Yeah, you got to use the bathroom. There's a bathroom that people can use. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, there's a bathroom with, with gold fixtures and stuff that you can't you can't use. It's been decommissioned, but there's a working bathroom okay. in the house that you can use. I see. It's really something. Uh, and you feel him. You feel him there, right? I mean, it's that kind of thing where you you feel his presence, I have to imagine. I mean, I tell the story of this turntable that we couldn't get to work. We couldn't even find the plug and somehow it started working. So, yeah, the guy's presence is strong and you definitely feel it in that house. Um, the name again, the film is called uh, Louis Armstrong's Black and Blues. And it's going to be on Apple TV Plus, correct? As of October twenty eighth. That's right. Is it also having some theatrical 
Yes, it's going to be released in, in select theaters around the country. That's amazing. But at the same time, it's on Apple Plus streaming. I maybe one of the publicists can chime in here because I would that sounded a little confusing to me. But you know, I want to make sure people. Now, here's when I was doing research on you. Um, uh, you know, wanted to know as much as I could get. Uh, this is um. Uh, I realized I saw your dad's film just recently because Oscilloscope released a remastered 4, 4K remastered version of your father's uh, Horace Jenkins yep. film, Cane River. Yep. How, how that was only recently? That was wasn't that uh, like about two years ago? Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that's all in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, Adam Yauk was, was a friend of mine, right? So it's like, wow, is Adam Yauk, my dad, and Armstrong in on the joke? I don't know, but it's interesting. Was Adam Yauk from New Orleans? Adam Yauk was from Brooklyn, Beastie oh, Boy. Yeah, no, I know who he is. I just I wasn't sure what the, the connection was. Well, when I got the, the interest from, you know, there are a few distributors who are interested in distributing Kane River, but... When I heard Oscilloscope was Oh right, of course. He's the right, the founder of Oscilloscope. Of course. I'm going straight I'm going straight yeah. to Alex's company for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very amazing. Well, I was just like I hadn't made the connection until I started reading, like, oh, that's interesting. So your dad was a filmmaker as well as being a um like a news, right? He was in the like TV journalism, right? Yeah, he was a documentary filmmaker and did some TV journalism and then the last film he made before he died was Cane River, which was a narrative feature. Did he? Did you? Did he get to witness your early works? Any of your early works? No way. He 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 left in eighty three. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, but but again, it's. I went to high school, Bryant High School in Queens. Um, you know how I wound up doing this stuff, I don't know, but I think. It was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to do it and wanted to be like my dad. And somehow it worked out. Well, I think you'd be very, I'm blown away by this, this documentary. It's going to be, it's a, when I did get to um, write a synopsis for the Woodstock Film Festival after seeing it. So I forgot to mention that that was a treat. So I I was hoping, I was hoping to do the Q and a with you, but Willis uh, managed to to convince me. He wanted to do it so much. So I, and and I, I figured I would get you on here as well, you know? Um, and so what was your, what was your, I wrote down one note here, I guess, cause I like just to kind of go with it, but what, what you was, you're experiencing um, viewing past existing do, uh, like uh, films about Armstrong. Okay, and then, you know what I mean? Like with the, given that it was, in a different prism at the time, viewing the guy in a different prism, through a different prism. Yeah, I mean, you've got to look at it for the time period that it was released, you know. So there's useful information uh, mm-hmm. in the film, but um, people from different times have different takes on things that we see today. And, you know, like Leonard Bernstein is in the film and he's paying. Armstrong, great compliments, saying, you know, what we do is a is like a bad copy of what you do, and you're the greatest. And then he goes, and then he says, his music is this, that, and that, and it's simple. And I'm like, how could he say, after just saying that 
what they're doing is a bad carbon copy. How is it simple? And you think about it, he was super progressive guy, man of his time and ahead of his time because he was super uh, progressive. But even in his progressiveness, he's capable of saying things that are just flat out, I don't know, racist, weird. Um, So, you know, these other projects from other times, there's nutritional value in them. Mm. But you also have to look at who made them and the time they were made and what they meant at that time. So this reflects my POV at the time of history we are in here in America today. Well, congratulations. And I'm going to really encourage everybody to see it. Um, Sasha Jenkins is the director and um, uh, what's coming up real quick. Do you, you, um, I'm now I'm curious, this is such a kind of a turn, like, you know, a left turn. Uh, although I understand it's it probably feels very organic for you in your evolution as a storyteller, but what, what's next? I have a film about Ed Sullivan that's coming soon. Oh, right. I did see something about that. So you're, you're continuing to to try different things here. Yeah. Well, Ed, Ed is an interesting guy and people are also going to be surprised by his story. That's what's so exciting about uh, his story as well. And, And there's a great synergy between Armstrong and Sullivan. Like both films would be make for a great double feature. Um, because they were friends and also there's a great synergy with the times and things they were going through. And um, I'm also finishing a film about Bismarck, which is going to be done soon. Oh, great. Yeah. He's, he's wonderful. Totally unsung, <laughs> interesting, super interesting, complex guy. Yeah. Mm. Deceptively. So maybe like Armstrong. Yes, for sure. Thanks. To, thank you, Sasha. I know you got a bunch of other, things coming up and uh it's great to sit with you even remote virtually or remotely what have you and get to know you a little bit better i didn't i felt a little robbed at the woodstock film festival so uh, i hope we can do it again for that sullivan project and one, one, one queen's guy to another thank you <laughs> yeah thank you uh talking about yet another guy who ended up in queens is that where he lived the rest of his years yeah he spent like that's why they had the museum there. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. He loved Queens. He loved his block. He was, you know. And it was my parents in Queens who introduced me to They were huge fans of Armstrong. So I grew up with that playing in the house in Queens. So oh, cool. it feels really good to, to come full circle on some way. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thanks, man. Thanks, Adam. He never would come out publicly, but at home he had his opinions. I've heard recordings of Pops just talking. He understood there was a battle in this country. I don't have no flag other than a black flag. That's right. There's a rumor that you invented scat singing. It came to me just like that. To be black in those days, the discrimination was unbelievable. We saw his own inner dignity was able to make him prevail all these awful conditions he worked with what did i do he was the first black movie performer to have his name above the title he was trying to use his music to reform and lead the country closer to his higher ideals i 
Arkansas has decided to make its own laws on the subject of integration. Louis said Ike and the government could go to hell. Everybody was astonished, but privately, he expressed stuff like that all his life. My only sin all over the world is in my skin. He had the respect and the love of millions. And you do. What did I do? What more can any man ask for? To be so black and blue. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in uh, again and downloading the podcast. It really does mean a lot. We have some amazing guests coming up. Uh, first, if you get a chance, go check out, again, our YouTube channel, because leading up to Halloween, we'll have on for his, I believe, the 11th, possibly 11th visit to the show, unless I'm, I've miscounted, Larry Fezenden, the sort of, I'd say, the courtchester of... <laughs> The horror filmmaking community, if you will, he is uh, coming back on. He is now, I believe, the most frequent guest or has come on the show the most, most times, more than any other of my guests in the last 11 to 12 years. So I'm thrilled to bring Larry back on. It's always a pleasure. It's become an annual event. And I thought, well, let's make sure we align this with the right holiday because it just makes sense. Uh, so you'll, you won't want to miss that episode. And it will be on the YouTube channel leading up to Halloween. I can also mention that we are lining up Andrew Brzezowski back, I believe, for his fourth visit with a new film called There There, which I actually worked on. I was actually part of the crew. And I'm hoping to get on some of the actors from that as well. And then I'm very happy with the getting Reed Davenport, a documentary filmmaker who is a person with disabilities, I guess. And he has made a fascinating award-winning documentary called I Didn't See You There. And uh, it was we watched it, meaning myself and my girlfriend, and we loved it. And I invited Reed on, and he will be also um, coming up on the next episode of the podcast. As well as, oh, I'm this is amazing. We have uh, one of the most legendary living film critics coming on the show, Molly Haskell. I mean, very well known film critic and feminist. I'm very excited to be talking to her about TCM series Reframed. Uh, all this and and believe it or not, much more in the works coming up. So don't stop tuning in. I've got. Lots of cards up my sleeve. You're listening to Adam Shartoff, the host of Film Wax Radio. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time.
confess the magic spell you kiss. This is love and rose. When you kiss me, heaven sighs, and though I close my eyes, I see love and rose. When you press me to your heart, and in a world apart, a world where roses bloom. And when you speak, angels sing from above. Every day, void seems to turn into love song. Give your heart and soul to me, and life will always bleed. Love, be unrolled.